That's it. No more Mr. Nice Duck. Welcome to Double Impact, the podcast where we double back on the movies that impacted us growing up as 90s kids and decide whether they hold up today or are best left in the past. I'm Tristan. I'm Greg. Welcome back. Another week. Another A week. Sunday night pod. Sunday night pod for, for two of us because we have a very special guest from the other side of the world where it's a beautiful sunny Sunday morning, I assume. Oh, it's England, so it's raining. Oh, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> it's as good as it gets. I'm not even joking. It's raining. Excellent. <laughs> yeah, if any of your ancestors got sent to the prison colony like, like ours. <laughs> <laughs> I think maybe that's why Brits have such an affinity for Australians. It comes from a lot of jealousy, I think, of the weather. Yeah. Although, obviously, the most dangerous creature we have ever here is squirrels. Uh, <laughs> and you have to contend with a lot more than that, so... It's true, but yeah, it's not perhaps as Perhaps we don't envy that part. I think we we like to play up the scary animals thing in Australia, but the reality is it's not, not too bad. <laughs> so, yes, yeah, very special guest today, um, friends of the show that uh, follow us at Instagram. You more than likely also follow a little account called Movieverse, not so little account, um, run by Dan. Dan, I don't even know your last name. Sorry, what was your last name? Uh, Jones. It is Dan Jones. Jones. Oh, you I did say that. Greg said that. Um yeah. I didn't even know your first name until recently because you've always been Movieverse. <laughs> it's Mr. Movieverse. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but the, such is the intimacy of Instagram friendships because it's never come up. <laughs> it's the strangest thing actually yeah. because it, it gives you that really strange situation where even if you don't DM someone like we do anyway, but just mm. through comments and likes, you feel like you know that person. Yeah. When it's podcasters like you as well and you listen to them, you you feel like you're friends already, even though you don't even know what they look like and you might not even know their real name. And that's a really unusual scenario, isn't it? Exactly. And in which one of us is it messaging you and all that kind of stuff. But then yes, also it kind that of doesn't does even matter. <laughs> <laughs> but um, you're one of our OG friends of the show because I don't know if you remember, it was probably – a bit over two years ago now, we were very early in the podcast and I was in yeah, Europe yeah. with my wife. Yes, and you I, were ill, weren't you? Yeah, and I was so sick. And in hindsight, my sister actually thinks it might have been COVID. Yeah. It might have been like early, oh, early COVID. Maybe you started it all. You talk it's yeah. Australia. <laughs> there's, there's a rumor out there. <laughs> you did spend summer in Wuhan also. <laughs> <laughs> apparently, according to some potentially alternative news sites, which uh, don't worry, I'm not that guy. Um, but apparently <laughs> there's they found traces in the sewage in like Italy where I was um, of COVID <sighs> when I was there. So I don't know. Wow. Who knows? I just asked some questions, man. But anyway, needless to say, I was very sick and my wife's out there enjoying Italy. I was I was really sick, guys. It was I think it was pneumonia. Yeah. I never got diagnosed because wow. I was at, in Cinque Terre and there wasn't like a proper hospital, but our Airbnb host – got a doctor to come over, jab me, give me my asthma because I have asthma as well, makes everything worse. But I think it was pneumonia. Wow. Yeah. And so we bas- I basically just had to stay in bed all day for about three or four days and uh, I had literally nothing to do. My wife's out there having a great time and I just <laughs> was on – it was early stage of podcasting so I'm like growth hacking on Instagram and finding <laughs> you know, yeah. like-minded Instagram accounts and that kind of thing. And I messaged a few people and I think you were the only person that replied. (laughs) (laughs) 
And um, of course, friend of the show ever since because you've been super supportive. Yeah. You've, you've helped um, help people find us on Instagram and then inevitably to the podcast. So massive friend of the show. We appreciate your support. Um, and this is long yeah, overdue to have yes, you on the podcast. Likewise. Yeah, yeah. It's it's really great to be on. Uh, I've done a little, tiny little um, little bit on uh, another podcast, but that was just like a quick uh, answer to a question. But yeah, nothing like this before. So I'm pleased that it's with you guys. Nice. Good. How do you feel about answering questions? Ah, who doesn't love a movie type question? Whoa. Is this leading on to something? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I believe Greg has some rapid fire questions. We do. It wouldn't, dangerous, it wouldn't dangerous. be a guest without some rapid fire questioning. Uh, So, Dan, I've got 10 questions for you. They're kind of an A or B type scenario. Okay, first one. Indiana Jones or Han Solo? Wow. (laughs) Oh, straight off the bat. (laughs) I realized as I started saying that that that's probably a pretty tough one for you. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, (laughs) as an 80s kid, a bit older than you guys, I remember playing Star Wars in the school playground. Obviously, it was everywhere. Indiana Jones took a bit more time to take traction in the same way. It didn't really get to the same level. Ah, (laughs) Maybe as a kid, Han Solo, as an adult, Indiana Jones. That's my best answer, I think. Oh, good, good. Good answer, good answer. The Rock or Vin Diesel? The Rock, no, no hesitation. Nice. Bruce Lee or Jackie Chan? Uh, I'm actually going to say Jackie Chan. I think, obviously, um, I mean, I'm a massive fan of Brandon Lee. That was kind of one of my idols growing up. But I do make a huge distinction between him and his father. A lot of people kind of club them in together, which is unfair to Brandon. Um, But for some reason, uh, Bruce Lee movies in the same way as Arnold Schwarzenegger movies are kind of a rite of passage when you're like a teenager and you're looking for action movies. I didn't get into Bruce Lee at all. I didn't see any of his films. In fact, I was probably in my late twenties before I saw Into the Dragon. Whereas Jackie Chan, because he was on the ground in the nineties making films, Mm -hmm. um, obviously they were more relevant. I'm sure that was probably similar to you guys as well. They were, they were around, weren't they? And he was in the public eye. And yeah. he just looks like such a fun guy. He just looks like he loves his job. He has loads of fun. Yeah. Always got a smile on his face. Um, obviously, not from a fighting perspective, because you'd have to say Bruce Lee, because obviously Jackie Chan is a stuntman that also does some martial arts. But I would go for Jackie Chan for that reason. He's more relevant to me. Good rationale. Yeah. Good rationale. We've had a few Jackie Chans. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, and similar sort of thing, people have sort of said, you know, bigger body of work. Yeah, yeah. that's the big one. You no, know, Bruce Lee left pretty early, so yeah, it might be a generational thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, Pamela Anderson or Sally Field? Wow, that is a weird question. <laughs> it really, really is. <laughs> that, that's, wow. Now I know what it's like. Now when I put my polls up and people have to dis- decide between two things. <laughs> yeah. 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 This really is, different. Yeah, this, the tables have turned. <laughs> oh, I have to go, Pammy. Yeah. Again for the yeah. relevancy uh, and just all around hotness. That's fair. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I wasn't going to bring that into it and seem too superficial, but yeah. One day, Greg. Pammy, one she's day. cool with it. Greg's a big fan of Sally Field. She's a handsome woman. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. 
I'm sure there's still a sparkle there. Oh, big time. Uh, All right. I'll make it a little bit harder for you then. Pammy or Phoebe Katz? Kate. I have to go Phoebe. Yeah, I thought you would. Uh, based on based on the movie verse content, there's, yeah. there's obviously a, an appreciation of, of her body of work there, mm, so yeah. which I can relate to. Yeah. Uh, ooh wee! All right, loaded question here: Van Dam or Steven Seagal? Van Dam. I think. I think it's again. It's an easy one. I think you've got someone who. Uh, is far less controversial, mm. uh, has a far less muddied history because depending on where you get your news source from or who, you, who you're talking to, obviously Seagal has a certain reputation for being a bit of an ass. let's be honest. Uh, <laughs> he's been openly disrespectful to other martial artists, which I just think is completely unnecessary. There's no professionalism yeah. there, is there? Uh-huh. Um, certainly co-stars have spoken about uh, uh-huh. him chastising them on sets for their acting ability, which just seems bizarre to me. Yeah. I think, uh, you know, Van Damme, again, for the same reason as Jackie Chan, he just looks like he loves what he does. Uh, he's still doing it. He's still in amazing shape and you have to applaud yeah. that. Mm-hmm. Um, Definitely. So, yeah, that, that's an easy one. I mean, I love I love Under Siege uh, mm-hmm. and, you know, um, some of his early 90s stuff, but once you hit the late nineties, he tails right off. Whereas, I think Van Damme still is going strong. He's such a strange guy. He's so strange. One of, one of my favorite stories. I can't remember if it's um, Keenan Ivory Wayans or John Leguizamo. One of them, they're on set making a movie, and he comes out of his trailer like hours late or whatever, and it's like, I just yeah. read the best script I've ever read in my life. And they're like, Oh, who who wrote it? And he's like, I did. <laughs> Oh no! He My lives God. in a fantasy world. He's 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 such a strange human. Yeah, John John Leguizamo's comments are pretty pretty damning. Yeah, yeah, it's worth a listen. You can find his interviews on it when he brings them up in interviews. Yeah, on, on YouTube, it's pretty funny. Yeah, it's it's hard. It's hard when you see an overwhelming amount of people saying that to believe that most of it isn't true, or yeah. there's a lot of truth to that side of his character, rather than. The handful of people that say, "Oh yeah, I met him; he was absolutely fine," but he gives me bad vibes. Yeah, agreed. He's a creepy guy. Creepy guy. Uh, <laughs> question the seventh: Biggie or Tupac? You much of a hip hop man, Dan? No. You're a nineties rock man, aren't you? Is that right? Pretty much. Yeah. I mean, uh, yeah. Literally from teenage years, it's just been rock, uh, metal. So that's a difficult one. I mean, obviously, from a cultural perspective, I have awareness of them. And for that reason, I would have to pick Tupac. I'm a lot more aware of his cultural impact, the stuff he said, some of his philosophies, which were, you know, you could identify with no matter where you were from or what taste of music you're in. That's a good good answer. rationale again. Uh, all righty. Question number eight, National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation or Die Hard? It's got to be National Lampoon's. Um, again... I think uh, I think Die Hard is a good example of a film which is a perfectly great action film that just gets elevated to a certain status that it may or may not deserve. Right. And I'm not being the one that says it doesn't deserve that, but you realise how much of a conflicted uh, philosophy people have on it when I put it in my Christmas movies poll. Yeah, um, there were a lot of uh, a lot of interesting comments that made me think more openly about the film itself. 
Oh yeah. It, 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 same kind of thing as Predator. When I put that up against Aliens, which I've done a couple of times, and Predator won both of those, which blows me away because to me, again, excellent level action film, but that's kind of it. And I feel like that with Die Hard, I think it's got... They're both John McTiernan movies too. Interesting. Yes, yes. I mean, he's great. I love I love him. Well, maybe you don't. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I, I think if we're talking about... Well, I, I was going to say, if we're talking about Christmas movies, I have to go with National Lampoons, but I still think I'd choose National Lampoons anyway. But again... Yeah. That's not because I think it's a better film necessarily. I think it's just that that's just something I've religiously grown up watching. Whereas Die Hard, if it's on on TV, I'd watch it, but I wouldn't necessarily go to my collection and pick it out and put it on. Maybe yeah. I think that's it. And this, this is the most unsettling answer, but I think National. <laughs> <I'm doing. laughs> it's okay. You'll have to get oh, some. We'll wrong. keep moving then. We'll keep moving. Uh, Showdown in Little Tokyo Mm. or Police Academy? Oh, you absolute. Oh, Oh, that's just evil. (laughs) We've broken him. (laughs) This is is a lot tougher. This is a lot tougher. Oh, man. Okay, so in my top 10 all-time favourite movies, Believe it or not, Showdown in Little Tokyo is there. <laughs> However, I think I'm going to go with Police Academy purely because of its greater, wider impact when I was growing up. So I, I, I didn't get to Showdown in Little Tokyo until probably 92, uh, whereas Police Academy, mm. I remember renting it when I was a kid and watching it at my grandparents' house and talking about it in school and mm. obviously... It, it, that just had a much bigger cultural impact. Uh, so, yeah, even though Showdown is in my top 10 favorite movies and Police Academy isn't, I would still go with Police Academy over Showdown in Little Tokyo for that reason. Can you talk us through the Showdown in Little Tokyo thing? Like, where, So you watched it pretty soon after it came out. What was it yeah. for you that put it in the top 10? Like it, it's, you know, for someone that just said Predator and Die Hard. Yeah. They're just okay. Oh, well, look, look, the thing is, the thing is, if you look at my page properly, you will see that I am no connoisseur when yeah, it comes yeah, to yeah. movies. <laughs> Same here. You're in, you're in good company. Yeah, you're in good company. But, so straight away, you know, there's no Last of the Mohicans in there. There's no Godfather <laughs> in there. And a lot, a lot of that comes from really my experience as a kid in the 80s. Mm. So it's more about how a film makes me feel, um, mm-hmm. how, what the fun element is, how it takes me away somewhere. Uh, And the nostalgia comes into it as well. Obviously, Showdown, I saw later. I think when I saw it originally, I didn't register it too much because, again, being a a fan of Brandon, it was more about The Crow then. And being a teenager and all angsty, The Crow fit me (laughs) much better at that time. So... (laughs) I think it was probably much later into the 90s that I started to revisit Showdown and Rapid Fire yeah. more. Uh, and because Showdown is such a quick, punchy film with so many ridiculous lines, yeah. so many elements that just would never make it to uh, a film today. Yeah. Uh, and, and my memories of watching it with my brother growing up, that kind of thing. Yeah. It has to be there for me in my top 10. However, I can freely identify that it isn't a great film, just like... Howard the Duck isn't a great film. 
I was thinking this but, is, sounds very similar to probably what we're going to talk about <laughs> on this one. Yeah. <laughs> yes. That's, that's, kind of, that's kind of where that came from. I think just out of all of Brandon's work, The Crow is difficult to watch many times because of the subject. Not, not just what mm, happened to yeah. Brandon, but the subject it's heavy. Of it is, mm. it's, it's a hard watch. Yeah, it's not a film you throw on to make you feel happy. Whereas <laughs> Showdown, if I'm feeling a bit down, I could just throw on like the scene in the cafe where Dolph just starts throwing Yakuza guys around. Um, yeah. And it just makes you instantly feel happy. Yeah. That's yeah. kind of how it ends up being there. It's an interesting tension I find in doing this podcast is because sometimes I will tear one movie to shreds for things that I've praised in a Jean-Claude Van Damme movie or something. Yeah. And it's, <laughs> and I know I'm a massive hypocrite, but I can't help it just for whatever reason. No, when it comes absolutely. in that package, I'm down for it. And I know yes. that objectively Bloodsport is not, you know, uh, 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 I want to use my words carefully. <laughs> it's not, a, it's not the Godfather. Where are you going with this? <laughs> Yeah, but to shorter. me, it is fucking special <laughs> and not just nostalgia, Brilliant. but not just nostalgia. Cause I think the way you're talking about it too is more than just nostalgia. It's like, yeah. it just speaks to you. It is just, it's in you. Yeah. <laughs> but, but films like Bloodsport, that was a trend setting film at that point in time as well. That, yeah, cultural that was legacy, definitely part. Yeah. Yeah. That plays yeah, that, part. A lot of the films that then came after the nineties were inspired by that. Just mm. like I'd like to point out, if you watch Deadpool two, yeah. watch the bathhouse scene in Deadpool two and just think, yeah, did someone watch showdown in little Tokyo? I think, Oh, definitely. Let's a crack at that. Definitely. <laughs> <laughs> and I think as well, Dolph Lundgren was in his prime in that film as well. So it's not just about Brandon. Dolph was in his absolute prime there. Yeah, I think it is genuinely one of his better movies. Yeah. I'll just, uh, I was going to say there was a third cast member that's probably oh, wasn't yeah. overlooked personally, Tia Carrera. Tia Carrera. Yeah. Yeah. Important. Yeah, just before Wayne's World. Very important. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Rapid fire question coming to a conclusion with this, the 10th question tailored for our English friend, EastEnders <laughs> or Coronation Street? Coronation Street. Really? Again, yeah. it's not even, I don't even have to consider that. I think... I'll I'll be honest. Like, I'm not I'm not averse to watching soaps, particularly the ones exported from Australia. Yeah, imported yeah. from Australia. I mean, growing up on Neighbours and Home and Away, that's uh, <laughs> that was great because because you get. I remember Guy Pearce in Neighbours so fondly, yeah, yeah, yeah. and then yeah. suddenly years later, I'm watching Memento, go. Ah, it's it's guy. Well done, guy. Pretty much. Not only that, it wasn't a one hit wonder. He just kept going. Yeah, Chris yeah. Hemsworth was in Home and Away. They've all yeah. they all started yeah. in Home and Away or Neighbours. Yeah, my mother used to watch um, Home, uh, Coronation Street and EastEnders on um, on the regular. I hated it. I hated it so much. EastEnders <laughs> used to be on in our house, probably because it was on before the ABC News. So yeah. I can still remember the se- the theme song. It's kind of interesting in this country because we have. We have this north-south divide thing, yeah. which is, uh, it was kind of coined, I think probably the late 80s, early 90s, uh, where anything north of where I am in the Midlands is kind of seen as the, the working class backbone of the country, um, whereas <laughs> more south you go, the more affluence it is. Uh, Southern fairies, northern monkeys. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. There's always that relatability, and I think I, in the Midlands, <laughs> being right in the middle, always related more as a northern 
philosophy than with the southern philosophies and i think that extends oh. to the soap yeah so this movie howard the duck when did howard you first duck. watch this oh so i i don't think i can recall when i first watched it i just remember religiously watching it on vhs so i would i would go and stay at my grandparents house every Friday and Saturday night when I was a kid. So I don't know, from the ages of maybe six or seven up until probably 11 or 12. Yeah. Uh, and that would, that would start with them picking me up and taking me to the video store. Right. Glorious. I would pretty much just rent the same two films, which were Back to the Future and Howard the Duck. Interesting. Leah Thompson. Yeah. I, I just remember watching them. I, I watched them every weekend for probably six or seven years. Um, and yeah, I just have mental images scattered of memories of just watching certain scenes, but I, could, I couldn't say which one was the first time, but mm. it was very prevalent in my uh, early childhood. Interesting. Because it's funny when you're a kid in that era as well, like I had movies like that, not how the but movies like that, like uh, Ace Ventura. And I'm terrified to do it on the podcast because I'm really worried that it's not going to hold up. But um, I watched it oh. so much, just on repeat. Yeah, with you. And you, you kind of, as a kid, you also just kind of, your your resources are limited. <laughs> so it's... A lot more open to a, uh, an immediate rewatch as a, as a child. Yeah. Well, there's just less to consume. Yeah. There's just there's less yeah. things to go and consume. But even kids now, like my kids now will happily watch the same episodes of friggin' Peppa Pig back to back to back. That's interesting. Watch something new. Yeah. So they're not onto Howard the Duck yet. So it, it continues even in today's kids. Mm. What about you, Tristan? This one I never saw. I never saw. I was too busy watching uh, East Ventura, I suppose. I'd always <laughs> – I, I think um, I heard – it was pretty invisible though too. Like I don't think I saw yeah. – I don't think I'd even heard of it as a child. And then I think I got it a little bit confused – I, I somewhere in my head I thought um, George Costanza did the voice of Howard the Duck, and then I realized, <laughs> oh no, there was a cartoon in the nineties called Duckman, and I think in my head I just <laughs> mushed it together, and he did the voice. He did the voice for that. Merged the two. Yeah, and so I think um, Howard the Duck All was. All ducks look the same. Yeah, right. I'm really embarrassing myself here. <laughs> um, I think it was almost. It was. It was. I was never really sure this movie existed until the age of streaming when it started to show up, and it's like, oh, Howard the Duck. Yeah, I've heard of this mysterious picture, and I've always been yeah. curious to watch it um, through the same lens that you've already kind of caveated with this one. That it's just that the eighties time capsuleness and, and excess of it all, um, and yeah. I just never gotten around to it until today, until yesterday, until two days ago. <sighs> So yeah, it's uh, well, we'll get into the rewatch soon. But I was very, I was itching to watch it to be honest, because you know we've done, Bill, we've done Back to the Future, we've done Bill and Ted, we've done a lot of those movies that are they're not the same as this, but there's definitely they're in some kind of Venn diagram together. Yeah, um, I yeah, enjoy definitely. that as- aesthetic of you know that weird electricity, practical yes. effectsy kind of stuff. Mm. Had you seen it, Greg? Before I had not, and. I, probably even less so than Tristan. I, I hadn't really heard of this or, or I didn't really know what it was, which is mm. kind of amazing really. Like af, after doing a bit of research, you know, the last couple of days about it, I don't know how I missed it. 
Mm. Um, I, I, it mustn't have been big here. They mustn't. Yeah. I would. I would. If I was hazarding a guess, I'd say after its box office performance in the US, because we've usually got quite a lag out here. Well, sorry, we used to have yeah. in the eighties and nineties. We had such a big release lag. Like we'd get things half a year or more later. Um, yeah, it's so far away. Um, so I reckon they probably saw it tank and didn't really bother pushing it here because it, it just wasn't like 86. I was, I was young then, but nevertheless, you know, movies coming out then, you know, like Ghostbusters came out around that time, didn't it? Well, and that was before, wasn't it? Ghostbusters, yeah. yeah in so, and that was huge for me as a, as a little kid. So, yeah. So it mustn't have been. Plugged here. It, 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 it technically came out and the only reason I know that is because I was looking at Rotten Tomatoes and found that one of our favourite critics, David Stratton, an Aussie, Aussie film critic, um, had reviewed it. And I clicked through, oh, I clicked through no. the review and it was an actual like newspaper clipping of this review oh, wow. he wrote that was about three new movies that were coming out that week and the three movies he was talking oh, about sort amazing. of in the one wrapped up review were The Golden Child, um, oh. a, a Star Trek movie, I think The Voyage Home, and this. And he kind of found some commonality between them in being a little bit, you know, all showing no substance kind of thing. Um, not his favourite week of movies. Not his favourite week of movies, <laughs> no. Uh, it was interesting. But, yeah, and also here it was called Howard dot, 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 a breed of new hero. It wasn't called Howard the Duck. Okay. Yes, we we had that alternative title in the UK as well, a new breed of hero. That's that's strange, isn't it? I don't know. Like, what's the rationale there? It's bizarre. Do we are we not going to get what a duck is because we got platypuses? <laughs> <laughs> Doesn't make any bloody sense. They don't seem to do that as much anymore. Maybe because of the internet, the different names thing. Mm. So yeah, it technically came out. No one saw it except David Stratton. It seems. And his point of view, I, he was not alone in his point of view. So critics, uh, the Rotten Tomatoes critic score for this one is 14%, uh, audience yeah. score of 38%, with critic consensus of, while it has its moments, how the duck suffers from an uneven tone and mediocre performances. I think the uneven tone thing, you can't even argue with yeah. that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm really uh, happy with how you're already talking about this movie because... Um, <laughs> I wasn't sure, like, like on what level you love this movie. <laughs> like, are we going to have? Yeah. I'm, I'm a realist. Yeah, I'm yeah. a total realist. Yeah. I will defend this film for yeah. what it does well, but I'm yeah. not. I'm under no illusion that it's <laughs> not a good film. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm with you. I'm with you. I think That's I'm a in relief. a similar space. <laughs> I can relax now. <laughs> but financially, this movie wasn't too bad. So it had a budget of thirty to thirty-seven million, and it gives a range for some reason, and a. a Gross box office of thirty eight million, so at least it broke even. Yeah. Although, one thing I was reading argued that made a, made a few bills. Would you say? Hey, <laughs> there it is. <laughs> I'm gonna, you could have been a writer of this I'm movie. Pepper us with, yeah, yeah, exactly. In honor of this, I'm going to pepper us with bad jokes. Oh, good. <laughs> duck ones. Oh, duck ones. Yeah, good. All right, should I get into the origin story of this film? Yes, it's pretty good, isn't it? It's a juicy one. Origin story. So it's interesting to talk about this film now because it's technically the – we're now in the Marvel era and this is technically Mm, the first Marvel film. It's the first feature theatrically released Marvel film. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. 
It's crazy. It is. Yeah. Um, it's a character invented in the seventies by Steve Gerber, who was the writer, and Val Mayerick, who was the artist. Uh, he made his first appearance in a comic book called Adventure into Fear. That Steve Gerber was also one of the OG writers on Guardians of the Galaxy in the seventies, also. So he's. There's, uh-huh. there's potentially some synergies there in, in perhaps yes, tone and this is. cosmic absurdity kind of thing. He was also the head writer on season one of G.I. Joe and season three of Transformers, wow. the original Transformers. So a, a wow. key figure in our childhood perhaps. Yeah. Now, How the Duck made his first appearance, yada, 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 but then he got his own title I think in 74 or somewhere later in the 70s and it just caught on and – it's this weird thing that, I mean, most of it was in the movie, but I think it was a bit more Deadpool-esque in its kind of satirical take on on things. And um, apparently this duck world where he's from is just one of the other universes in the Marvel multiverse where there's duck versions of all the Marvel characters. So there's Doctor Strange instead of Doctor Strange and all that kind of stupid yeah. shit. I love that. <laughs> I enjoyed and, that bit. Yeah, and he battles bad guys like Pro Rata, the Cosmic Accountant, <laughs> Turnip Man and the Kidney Lady, and my favourite, Bessie the Hell Cow. It's, just, it's an evil cow. Wow. And not even just like a cow, man. It's like a straight-up cow on four legs and it's just got a cape on, but it just looks <laughs> like a cow. I love it. I think i got to read this, this damn comic book. Um but it caught on. This thing became like a pretty legitimate countercultural phenomenon. Apparently in the, where was the, in 1976 in the US election, apparently in the comic books there was something they were doing politically too and, and how the duck had his, his political party called the All Night Party. And apparently there were thousands of votes for the All Night Party in the 1976 <laughs> presidential campaign. Classic. Yeah. Well, what happened to American politics? It's so good. <laughs> it's so good. So it was the legit. All night I, party. I yeah. like it. And I think this is good context because from here, from our point of view, you know, us not even hearing about this growing up, it seems like what an odd choice for the first Marvel film, but it was actually a bit of a cultural phenomenon. So it kind of made perfect sense that this would be the first comic Marvel yeah. comic you turn into a movie. So this was not just like some weird little passion project. This was seen as like this is gonna be huge guys. Yeah. This is gonna be a big Yeah, fucking they movie. did think that. They definitely did. Yeah. I mean they put a lot of money into it. Thirty seven million dollars is a lot of dollary dues back in the some day. Big names attached to it. Actually it got so big that Disney sued over similarities to Donald Duck and so he had to start wearing pants. <laughs> yeah. I love that. He had to start wearing <laughs> pants. Uh, anyway, uh, <laughs> now Steve uh, Gerber, the, the original writer who invented him, um, he caught wind that Marvel was chopping this thing around for the screen and um, decided to try and sue Marvel over ownership of the character. He lost because he wrote it under work for hire at Marvel, so it's theirs. But um, it was like a big landmark case. Must try, Steve. Yeah, it was a big landmark case for that kind of shit. And, um, Greg, we talked about on the Spawn episode, Image Comics years later would, when all those big artists left Marvel and DC and went to Image Comics, it was because they got to have ownership of all the characters they had. So it's interesting, mm-hmm. like, that was, this was back in 1980 
that happened. And it wasn't until like mid to late nineties that artists and writers started doing their own shit. Poor bastards. I don't think they made much money. Yeah. Takes a while. I don't think they made much money. Um, I think he made a bit of money selling political badges um, in 1976. But aside from that, I don't know if he got much. Um, but anyway, in terms of all this, went to his all went to his legal fees, I think. Probably, yeah, poor bastard. But in terms of the movie, this comic book had a very powerful fan, and that fan was uh, George Lucas. And uh, mm. George Lucas had just finished American Graffiti, who um, he wrote with Willard Huck and Gloria Katz, and he showed them this comic book, um, explained how he was a big fan. And for him, apparently, it was this the mix of film noir and the the absurdism of the whole thing. And so, basically, between the three of them, this movie's happening. Momentum started. There's a lot of intricate movie politics things <laughs> in between that that I that are pretty boring, to be honest. But essentially, um, Universal Studios had secured the rights from Marvel, so George and the gang worked with them to make this a thing. It was originally going to be animated. But Universal needed a big movie for the summer. Animation would take too long, so they thought, fuck it, we've got industrial light and magic right here. Let's do it live action. And so they did. But they did make some changes. So apparently, like I mentioned in the comic book, it's a little bit more Deadpool-esque, maybe not the breaking the fourth wall stuff, but definitely more mm, adult, yeah. a bit more biting, and he's a bit more of a jerk as a character. And they they yeah. softened all of those things. Um, so the overall tone was a, was a little bit... Different, and it did create some tension mm. with those writers, Katz and Huck, versus the original creator of the character Gerber, who <laughs> he wasn't a big fan of the softening. So basically, Katz, one of the film writers, said it's a film about a duck from outer space. It's not supposed to be an existential experience. But then Gerber says, "But the whole thing is an existential joke." So there was a bit of you know you're not getting my precious idea, man. It's kind of. You're Hollywoodizing mm. the whole thing, man. Um, there was a bit of that going Classic. On. Classic, classic. It's a bit like bloody um, Last Action Hero all over again, isn't it, Greg? Yeah. Yeah. Start off with some biting satire and it gets gets watered down uh, into the very thing it was satirizing. Anyway. Ah, oh. oh, the irony. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> Um, hey, it was also going to be set in Hawaii originally, but then you know they decided Cleveland. Ooh, didn't know instead. that one. Yeah, it's well, it's always a bit of a heads or tails between Cleveland. And <laughs> yeah, Maui, isn't it? Where are we going to go next summer? I don't know, Cleveland or Hawaii. It's a tough one. <laughs> Although the ordinariness of Cleveland does make it kind of funnier, in my opinion. We'll get to that. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah. Yeah. All right, so it's all happening. They've got the script. Uh, it's been watered down a little bit, but it's happening. It's greenlit. Let's fast track this picture. They do find a little bit of trouble in actually making the duck. So it initially started yeah. as a bit more of a puppet thing. Um, then they they did decide they needed a human in a suit to actually <laughs> articulate this thing properly. They originally cast a kid for the for the main role physically of how the duck for the costume and had. Ed Gale yeah. as more of the stunts and night shoots that the kid can't do. Um, Ed Gale was also the guy that played Chucky in some scenes oh. in um, Child's Play, which is crazy. That shit, I didn't even realise. We, we, yeah, we did that movie a, a while ago now. But when he's in the suit, all the sets on Chucky were made 
30% bigger so that it all worked yeah, the size incredible. that Chucky was supposed to be. I love that shit. Oh. Anyway, yes. he ended up taking over the whole role because the kid couldn't deal with being in the suit that long and it sounded pretty fucked up. Even for Ed it, Gale. They're usually it was pretty, pretty warm, these suits, aren't they? Man, even for him, man, I was watching the making of it and he's saying, yeah, it's funny, you know, I, I didn't really have to get out and pee much because I was just sweating so much, I guess, and <laughs> never, it never even made it to my kidneys. Like it's a benefit. <laughs> That's like horrible. <laughs> that sounds – he couldn't see anything unless the, the mouth was open and most of the time yeah. it's not open. And so he's like, yeah, it turns out I'm pretty good at memorising spaces. He's a real trooper. And he would just be walking around <laughs> yeah. blind. It's amazing. All adds up. It's pretty phenomenal. And um, in addition to him walking around, they had four puppeteers with joysticks for different components of the face, yeah. um, a bit like Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles but – Four years earlier. And, and feathers. And feathers, more feathers. And and the juicy one is that, yes, John Cusack and Martin Short were considered for the voice of Howard the Duck, but Robin Williams was actually cast originally as the voice of Howard the Duck. And um, mm, I didn't know that one either. Yeah, he dropped out after three days. He was, he was there. He was on set. Wow. So, well, he wasn't on set. That was the issue. Because it, oh. they had shot it all. He was in Hawaii. You got the wrong <laughs> destination. Well, they made the choice, which I'm not sure how it works with movies like this and Teenage Mutant, like movies with puppetry like that, but they made the choice to shoot it all first and do the voice later, whereas you know, in animation yeah. they do the voices first and then, then work around the voice that's recorded. Yeah. And Robin Williams couldn't handle having to fit his dialogue to a predetermined yeah. duck mouth. And he's just like, I can't do this. What did he say? I can't do this. It's insane. I can't get the rhythm of this. So I'm being confined. I'm being handcuffed in order to match the flapping duck's bill. Poor old Robin Williams. Uh, not the role for well, him. He, he more than more than made up for it in uh, Aladdin. Yeah. They drew it all around him. And he's bebopping <laughs> and scatting all over the place. Half of that Aladdin dialogue's improv. So you can imagine him <laughs> really being cons- confined yeah. in this bloody thing. Yeah. It's not his style, is it? Yeah. It is not. But they did cast, they ended up casting Chip Zane. Chip Zane. I don't know much about this guy. Do yeah. you guys know much about this guy? No. No. I know oh, his yeah. voice, but that's it. <laughs> yeah. It's a strange choice because it's so ordinary. I guess that maybe that's the idea. I don't know. I was just disappointed it wasn't George Costanza, i got to tell you. <laughs> and then in terms of the rest of the cast, you'll appreciate this one, Dan. Phoebe Cates did audition for the role of Beverly. But, you know, oh, again, I didn't know that one. Yeah. But Leah Thompson was hot off the heels of um, Back to the Future, yeah. so it's going gonna, it's gonna to happen. Yes. You know, she's yeah. straight, off the, straight off the success of, you know, playing a character that fell in love with her, her own son into playing a character that falls in love with a duck. Um, yeah. Can't tell me she hasn't got range. Uh, apparently, <laughs> apparently Paula Abdul, Kim Bassinger, Basinger, Jodie Benson. I don't know who that is. Sarah Jessica Parker and Laurie Singer auditioned as well. They apparently. all went for it. They all this went for the, it. This, this is hot the property, man. In town. Robin Williams was attached. <laughs> and Jeffrey Jones, registered sex offender, was involved. Um, so Jeffrey Jones played Dr. Walter <laughs> No relation. Uh, no relation. <laughs> <laughs> Have you heard about this? Jeffrey Jones. Well, from, well, yes, yes. Yeah, I it's did pretty hear about messed that, yeah. up. We don't have to rehash the whole thing again, but uh, kitty porn and horrible things. But he continues to work. Um, and then Tim Robbins in one of his first films as uh, 
wacky science yeah. guy, I suppose. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he really he went for it, though. to the role. Yeah. <laughs> Good for him, right? Yeah. Absolutely, yeah. I do think in it's not embarrassing as long as you give it a good shot, you know? It's, yeah. It's <laughs> yeah. I, you don't, I, don't, I don't watch, I don't, when I don't watch it back, obviously knowing the heights he reached, I don't feel bad for him. And yeah. he's, he said publicly how much fun the film was to shoot, the fact that it went over schedule and he got more money for yeah. it. And he, yeah. just, he, very, he speaks very fondly of it, actually. I love Doesn't that. Because he, he said if you, it, it made me money which i needed at the time like you said went over so you got paid more and he goes and that meant i could go on and do more you know respected or yeah what's the word i'm looking for serious perhaps you know it facilitated him doing other things yeah leah thompson looks back on it fondly too it's interesting because a lot of movies i'm trying to think i think i think there was one we've covered recently where it's not the case and just have a just have a you know bit of sense of humor about it. like don't be so bloody precious <laughs> it's okay to do a few yeah, stickers yeah but anyway they get all these people Russell them in front of a camera chase a duck around bish bash bosh you got yourself a movie rap party at the old what's a what's a what's a duck pun for the viper room greg uh the mallard lounge <laughs> rap party at the mallard lounge there you have it all right should we play the trailer oh should we Across the sea of stars lies another world, a world almost exactly like ours. This is where he lives. He's 27 years old, single but searching. Favorite sports, windsurfing and Aikido. Favorite pastimes, (laughs) cigars and sex. He has everything except fulfillment. And then one night, it happens. Hey, good buddy, are you home? a very sudden midlife crisis he lands in cleveland you do know why you were sent to me listen to me small visitor i can explain how you got here maybe you're here for some greater purpose some cosmic cause here he's forced to reassess his career goals you went to med school to explore new relationships To redefine his self-image. I'm sorry, we don't allow pets on the premises. To adjust to a changing lifestyle. I pull it out! Until he discovers just who he really is. Oh, no. A duck in big trouble. That's a duck, man! Howard the Duck, trapped in a world he never made. What a trailer. I genuinely like that trailer. Yeah, it is a good trailer. Mm. Um, before we get into our uh, thoughts on uh, how it holds up today, having having watched it this week, Greg, do you want to give our friends of the show at home a little rundown of what exactly happened in this film? Yeah, that was a pretty good trailer um, <laughs> in terms of explaining what happened. So, you know, I'll endeavour to add a layer or two on top of that. Uh, so we've got a duck named Howard, mm. as you would have guessed by now. Uh, and he's just minding his business at home after a tough day at the office. Uh, next minute, Howard is, and his couch, in fact, uh, pulled through an interdimensional wormhole of sorts and dumped on Earth in uh, Cleveland, Ohio. Um, now, scared and bewildered, he faithfully crosses paths with the front lady of the Cherry Bombs, Beverly Switzler. Uh, 
He defends Beverly from two would-be muggers as she leaves one of her gigs. She then feels sorry for him sitting there in the wet as she determines he has nowhere to stay, so she offers him shelter from the cold and quite a bond is formed. Uh, From there, they seem to spend a fair bit of time working out how Howard came to be on Earth. Uh, There were some guys that opened a porthole or something. I don't know. (laughs) I think I was getting some toast. Um, but then it got a little bit spicier. Got some toast. That's just part of the plot. <laughs> <laughs> spicier when my toast was a little burnt. No. Um, it gets a little spicier when convicted, convicted pedo and dead uh, and dean of students Edward Rooney gets possessed by a, a dark overlord. Yeah, uh, who's who's on a mission to bring the other dark overlords from his dimension to rule Earth and it's up to Howard and Tim Robbins to save the day. So there is obviously a number of lessons we learn in watching Howard the Duck. Never judge a book by its cover. Mm. Always treat everyone with respect, especially those that are different to you. And finally, achieving cult status with your film may win you the place in the hearts of your fans and get you a signing gig at Comic-Con, but it does not pay for the groundskeeper bills at the Skywalker Ranch. (laughs) 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 And then it's a a love story, a sexual story between a lady and a a duck. Well, they never actually do it. She's kind of just fucking with him, right? I think. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. I, I think the overall tone towards the end is that it is a friendship more than anything else. Oh, but yeah, there is that confusing right. ground in the middle. Yeah. I like to think he got some. <laughs> <laughs> I think I remember watching a. Uh, uh, no, I remember <laughs> Leah Thompson talking about showing it to her daughters, <laughs> and they got up and turned it off at that point, and they're just like, "You're about to do it with a duck, mom. I'm not watching this film." <laughs> Oh, oh, it was pretty harsh how they made his little condom yeah. so small. I thought that was a bit mean. Why are they going to do it like that? Well, that's how you know that she's just joking because she saw the size of the condom. It's not happening. <laughs> <She's> like, oh, <laughs> sorry, Howard. <laughs> he got all nervous too. It's such bill. an interesting choice. That, yeah, it, it was – I mean so I, many things in this yeah, are just I such an like, interesting choice. I kind of like the efforts they went to from a special effects perspective to mm. make his feathers come yeah. up on his head when she puts her hand yeah. on his chest. <laughs> yeah. Apparently that was a lot of work to, to get done. And it worked. I was into that <laughs> in, the, in, a, in an appropriate way. Um, yeah. <laughs> did, did you, Dan, did you watch it? Recently or, or this week or when's the last time you watched this? Film? Funnily enough, actually, yes. I just showed it to my ten-year-old daughter. Oh, how did that oh, go? Excellent. With with some nerves, <laughs> obviously, I wanted her to like it. Uh, I also <laughs> didn't want any awkward questions yeah. on yeah. some of the scenes that are yeah. very awkward for a PG family film. Yeah, which luckily didn't come, thankfully. Um, but she, yeah, she she did enjoy it. So I think, I mean, she's uh, I've. She watched, she's watched all the current crop of Marvel movies. Uh, I've I've shown her the Indiana Jones films, the Star Wars films, films like Men in Black. So she's seen a lot of the uh, 80s and 90s classics as a benchmark. Yeah, so I feel that at 10, she's still got a fairly rounded repertoire. That's good. Some good parenting right there. Like imagine our parents showing us stuff from the 60s. <laughs> I don't think I would. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah no. Side note, that means we got real old. So, where, so how, did she enjoy it? She enjoyed it? 
She did. No awkward yeah, questions. she did. She did enjoy it. Yeah. She, she, she. Uh, the, the bit that did make me laugh was uh, as a kid. One of the one of the really strange paradoxes of this film for me is that I watched it religiously. Yet every time the Dark Overlord scenes terrified me. Right. Well, when I first started watching it as a kid, so I don't know. When it came out, I was seven-ish, something like that. Um, and definitely the first few times I'd watch it, uh, I would be petrified at the Dark Overlord reveal at the end. Yeah. When it became the big monster. Yeah. So when he's been released from Jennings' body and then he starts smashing out of the footwell, um, my, my daughter just went, oh, my God. That is so fake. <laughs> I was just like, yeah, it didn't feel fake in the 80s. But yeah, okay, I can see now it's not the best. But that always raises an interesting question too because I always wonder, like, why did it work in the 80s? Because we still knew theoretically, right? We must have known what looks real and what doesn't look real, but it worked on us. Yeah, so I, it's, think, it's I think it's a difficult question to answer because when yeah. you're in at that point, it's like I always remember – the, the scene that sticks in my head as well is the opening scene from The Empire Strikes Back where Luke is charging across the plane on his uh, tonton. And you get that scene where it's okay when you've got the long shot, but then it closes in as he gets to a ridge. And it's the stop-motion animation, but yeah. not very smooth. Mm. And I remember there, were, there was a big gap where uh, that's probably the film I've watched more than any other film. But there was a, a bit of a gap where I didn't watch it for many years. And then I, I watched it again in the 90s. And I just thought, whoa, I do not remember thinking at the yeah. time how bad that looked. It just didn't even occur. It, it just yeah. looked amazing. And I guess yeah. there was just no basis for comparison then. Yeah. It, it, it was great because that's what you got. That's That was still the pinnacle at that point. That's it. Like, the, the comparison was less. Yeah. You know, that was, as you say, that was the pinnacle. Well, you'd have to assume it would be something similar to looking back on modern movies now in, in another even 10 or 20 years. I always wonder yeah. that too. So, yeah, does that, if you project that out, does that mean that's going to happen too and you'll watch something that, you know, won best special effects this year in 20 years' time and think it looks like shit? It's interesting. I also think, or well, the way I like to interpret it is that we just have better imaginations and that maybe have, that's being, a good way of looking at it. being able to, execute everything so perfectly now it it might there's no there's no gaps to fill in yourself you know it's i wonder if there's any mm. yeah you, you don't have to connect the dots but mm. that one of the one of the most interesting films to me where we are currently with effects is starship troopers because when you rewatch yeah, that okay. i think along with something like jurassic park that is the ultimate blending yeah. of practical with V, with VFX to the point where you you rewatch Starship Troopers now. Not only does it uh, hold up from a, a where we are culturally perspective, the parody is even sharper. Mm. But some of the effects in that still look absolutely a one, like it could have been mm. made two years ago instead of whatever it was twenty something years ago. Yeah, and he does the Verhoeven loves the the practical stuff too. So it's that blend that makes it just fucking yeah. perfect. Spielberg yeah. too, and it, yeah. you know the worst blend part is. is yeah, and and Zemeckis. In the, the the irony is, a lot of these guys in the early days, like Zemeckis and Spielberg, who yeah. used it so sparingly and to like relatively subtle effects, like Back to the Future, Jurassic Park, even Forrest Gump to a degree. Although some of that looks a bit sketchy now. Yeah. Um, yeah. But they've they've both they've all of them. James Cameron. They've kind of gone way too far into digital, and they make these things like like Spielberg, the BFG. Or Zemeckis, 
you know, the bloody, what's that crazy bloody Christmas movie he made that's all CGI. And it looks uh, terrible. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's, it's, oh, um, it works so well Apollo when it's, Express. yeah, it works yeah, so well yeah. when it's just digital embellishments on Uncanny something that's Valley. practical versus yes. just purely digital. It's, it's funny. Yeah, totally yeah. agree. It's also one of the, uh, it seems to be one of the fair criticisms leveled at the DC movies when you compare yeah. the, the, the effects. I mean, even I, I think I watched Wonder Woman for the first time fairly recently and even the, the, what's the guy, bad guy's name? Stepan something or whatever. Yeah. Even when he comes on the screen, you think, oh, that, that just doesn't look good. Even now it's almost, it's almost Phantom Menace levels of bad. It looks that <laughs> yeah. digital. And there's just no weight to any of it. And then there's, there's no, no, you don't feel in, immersed in anything. It just feels like, oh yeah, there's the opposite. digital things floating around the screen. Yeah. Um, yeah. This movie, on the other hand, how was the screening for you, Greg? Um, look, I'll, I'll have to, I didn't enjoy it. Yeah. Um, but I'll caveat that by saying a couple of things. <laughs> um, the first is I didn't, um, I didn't manage my expectations. So I didn't do any pre-reading on it because I wanted to keep it right. as pure as possible. Yeah. Having, reflecting on that, I probably should have known it was a bad film before I watched it because then you you really change your yeah. lens with how you watch it. Um, so that sort of compromised my viewing experience. It definitely wasn't without its pockets of charms mm. and I think there was bits in it I quite enjoyed and the vibe at parts was great but then it, it was a bit inconsistent with that. Like it had that sort of that that 80s vibe, you know, with the electricity kind of mm. thing you referred to. Earlier. I like all that but yeah. um, it was a little inconsistent. And, you know, reflecting on it and reading a bit about it afterwards, I've learned to appreciate it more because it is a really interesting kind of, you know, plot on the on the, on the the film history timeline in terms yeah. of the build-up to the film, the people involved. Yeah. Why they thought this would work. The duck. It's fascinating. The duck, I think the duck was probably like if I really dissected <laughs> what I couldn't, why – the film didn't like while well, the movie was a bit unsettling for me, it was that duck. Yeah. It just <laughs> Our, it was just weird. My wife walked in at one point and was just oh, horrified. Geez. She was just at the duck specifically. And I guess I just I'd seen the duck itself before, so that didn't phase me too much. And was also just also just part of the, the kind of the lore of this thing and how how good bad it is kind of thing. I think, yeah, so I think I fall somewhere maybe between the two of you. It was quite long and it was quite long. That was the only other thing. Yeah. But that's all the bad I've got to say about it. Yeah. So I won't, I'm not going to harp on about it being a bad film. That's not my intention. Yeah. Um, I'll just, uh, I'll stop there. Yeah. I guess the difference with my viewing is I probably went in on the right expectation, mm. ex- expecting it, to be honest, to be a lot worse. So, well, I should caveat that too because in parts it, it was up and down. So basically when it first started, I was pleasantly surprised by the first like 15 minutes or so. I was like, oh, fuck, this is cool. Like Duck World, the attention to detail on Duck World and the absurdity yeah. of the whole thing. I was enjoying that. The, yeah. the entertainment ads are just amazing. The, yeah. the infomercial ads. Yeah. Uh, just, yeah. And all the movie posters. Yeah, I was loving that. Uh, all the Duck Boobies. Duck Boobies. Yeah. Um, I think I, I sent you a screenshot of Duck yeah, Boobies, didn't yeah. I? What was <laughs> the duck boobies and and just the the I think the absurdism that that 
George Lucas loved was there too. Like the, the laziness in just all the converting things to ducky words is just so dumb but great. It, it's like the Smurfs, yeah. you know, it's just they just insert the word duck here and there. Like it's, Smurfacular. Yeah, yeah, it's just it's a, <laughs> quack foo. Like it's so dumb. Quack foo. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and then, and then he, they show that whole world, which I wasn't expecting. And then um, he obviously gets sucked through what t- is essentially the, the bloody monolith from 2001 A Space Odyssey and <laughs> ends up on our Earth. And then I guess uh, I'm realising at this point, oh, this is like a multiverse thing. He's, from, he's not just from a planet of ducks. He's from like Earth, another Earth, a replica of Earth, another version of Earth where humans evolved from ducks. That's just the only difference between their world and our world is that. And you know, although there's that curious point where he doesn't know what a pizza is, so yeah, there's uh, there's work? a lot of inconsistencies there where <laughs> yeah, everything yeah. else makes perfect sense, and he's like, oh, yeah. <laughs> but um, yeah. I love all that stuff, and it's just kind of crazy. I already mentioned this is the first Marvel film, but based on that, it's also introducing the multiverse, which is the thing that Marvel movies are doing right now. So it's not only yeah that. It's efficient. It's very efficient. In the first fifteen minutes, it's set up the multiverse. Got to give it that. Got to give it that. Yeah. And then, yeah, and just in terms of the absurdity of it all, Joe Roma's Cajun sushi. What the fuck? <laughs> that diner. It sounds tasty. It's insane. <laughs> I love. It's so weird. <laughs> the whole diner thing is yeah. just nuts. Um, the eighties gangs. I love a good eighties street gang. You know, with the fingerless yeah. gloves and oh. one bad guy hey, from every baby. race. Yeah, bandanas. Oh. One of the the female gangs was called Satan Sluts. Um, amazing. I love how inconsistent the reaction to Howard talking is. Some people are freaked out. Some people are like, hey, hey how's it going, man? It's so talking bizarre. Yeah, whatever. He works at some kind of sex bar at some point. Like all, all this stuff I'm into. Yeah, what was that place? <laughs> so yeah, bad. again, again, this this is part this is part of the craziness of that film, yeah. marketed as a family film in yeah. the 80s. How do you explain that to a kid that's like, where where is he now, Daddy? What, what's this? Yeah, but I, uh, but then but then it also shows some of the really cool little writing moments where he's pushing that trolley. And he's, he's, he's like towels and then he's like antibiotics, which I think is a great little line. But he sees all the couples intertwined. Yeah. It's, it also hurts because you can see the potential there. Like it's tonally it is all over the place and it yeah. should just be for adults. Like they should have just gone all in on that. Yeah. They, it could still appear kind of childish, but, but make it R. Like it shouldn't be PG and just, yeah. and just mm. embrace all that stuff. Because it's, yeah, it's a bit all over the place with that. Just lean a bit more into the Deadpool side of things. Yeah, and it bums me out now too because Deadpool has now exists and has gone that direction and Guardians of the Galaxy has gone a certain direction. And these are all kind of areas you could see a new How the Duck movie going and it's like, well, what's this thing going to be now? They're they're both taken. Like Taika Waititi could maybe do, do a How the Duck movie. Or, or James Gunn could, but they've already, I don't know, their voices are already established in different characters. I was thinking Edgar Wright could maybe do a How the Duck movie. That oh, could be, that would be great. That could be quite good. Because, you know, like um, Scott Pilgrim kind of energy to it that yeah. it's a bit comic booky. Yeah. It's going to happen, right? It's inevitable. They're going to do something with it. 
He's popped up in a few well, things. I'll run out of. I think. I think. I don't know. I, I feel like there's been waves and troughs of it. And uh, I mean, there was you know Leah Thompson apparently voicing that she'd yeah. love to be involved in a project, but on the creative side, yeah. Uh, mm. I, I don't know. I think. I think the. I don't know whether the cult following is big enough from the original movie to to do enough with it. Although apparently I've just started yeah. watching that Marvel What If, and apparently exactly. there's an episode with Howard Duck in that. I think so. I don't know whether it's on their radar and they're thinking maybe we could do something. I think it's um, on their radar, which for would sure. shine a light on this one, which would be great. Um, yeah, he's in What If, and he's in a bunch. Of, he's in a post-credit scene of Guardians of the Galaxy. He yes, was in a, those. He was in an early script of. Infinity War, but it got cut. Um, they never shot it, I don't think. But he was, he was in like a bar scene and or playing poker or something. And Peter Quill was trying to get information from him or something. But I do have the clip from him in What If, and apparently, uh, I'll play that in a sec. But apparently, his appearance in What If made him trending worldwide on on Twitter. So it's, I think the fan base is there. But why don't why don't we watch this yeah. clip and see what how old bloody yeah. how he's doing today? Ah, the collection is much bigger than I anticipated. All this suffering, and for what? My guess, he's compensating for something big. Yeah, or small, if you catch my drift. You are quite articulate for a duck. That, sir, is very close-minded. You know, I, um, I'm looking for something. The embers of Genesis, you know where I can find them. Cosmic Flora down the hall. Take a Louis at the Frost Giants, a Hard Ralph at the Cronus. You're gonna see a sign for Elvish literature? Ignore that. Total snoo. Screw it. Give me the tour. You know what they say when you're out of luck. Always go duck. I'm pretty sure no one says that. <laughs> oh, they say it. <laughs> really? Totally. I think the fans are pretty happy with um, Seth Green doing the voice there too. So Yeah, perfect. It's going to happen. Or at least just include him in oh, one yeah, of the movies. I forgot it was him. Yeah. Surely he's just going to just, whether he gets his own movie, who knows, but he's got to at least show up a bit more, I think. Yeah. I mean... It's Marvel, so <laughs> yeah. wouldn't put it past them. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, like you, Greg, I did find um, some of those challenges in length. <laughs> it just kept going. It's um, it's a long film. It's the kind of movie where, like, if I ever watch it again, it's different. When you watch a movie for the podcast, you're really like watching it. Versus, you know, if I watched this in maybe my natural habitat. <laughs> I would have just put this on and multitasked and enjoyed it in kind of like a, <laughs> that's, that's crazy. Passive. Go back lean, to Instagram. A lean out. Yeah, a lean back situation. And um, have it on in the background. If I, if I owned a quirky bar, maybe I'd have it on on one of the TV screens. You know, that kind of thing. Oh, there you go. Because it's, it's a vibe. I like the vibe. Um, mm. But in terms of like sitting there, leaning forward, taking notes, it goes for a long time. There's it's just a lot. Of things, <laughs> there's not really like a linear story. It's just a bit all over the place, yeah. which again is one of those things that I would like in. It, I feel like a hypocrite saying because in certain situations I do like that. But you um, had everything, yeah, non-linear. Yeah, I think I think the problem, one of the problems with the film is the speed at which it shifts tone. Yeah, and it's like Beverly meets Howard, 
12 hours later, they're having this big argument and bust up, and somehow they've got this amazing bond after just 12 hours. Exactly. That then leads him to go off and try and get jobs. And you, you just think, well, yeah, I mean, you'd just be like, all right, well, all the best, bye. There's all these big jumps then and big leaps. But as a child, they're the kind of things that you don't notice. Nah. Because you haven't been trained. Because the thing is, those things, it's like they give you cues. And so when you see them having the big fight, your brain thinks you're near that point in the like the third act or whatever, <laughs> but you're not. Yeah. It's the movie just started, yeah. so it feels like. And then when they introduced the other scientists and all that stuff, it also feels like, oh, this is the end of the movie. It's not, and then yeah. it just kind of no. keeps going. Um, I do think some someone with the right brain could edit this thing down to a tight ninety minutes. Yeah, who do they? Who could we get the guys from Showdown in Little Tokyo? get water brothers with the snippy tool yeah Yeah. well they they do say (laughs) that van damme because you know they weren't going to release bloodsport and van damme re-edited it himself so maybe we get him on the case i don't know i don't know interesting interesting i would see the van damme edit (laughs) absolutely i think also i don't know if you guys agree but i felt like there wasn't anything for something that's from 1986 that has a talking duck that, you know, is sexually active. There wasn't too much that stood out as horribly outdated. Like there's nothing really offensive. There's Yeah. There wasn't too much. Especially when you consider the core message of equality and how we view people, which when he's, you know, traipsing (laughs) around and he's all down and he's, you know, you see that part of how people are treating him and how outcast he is. Yeah. There's obviously that will resonate forever. Yeah, and I think I think that's actually quite a core part of the film that it doesn't get credit for. Agree, um, because you know what, one of the one of the things that I guess annoys me is just, and, and I think my personal crusade with the film mm. isn't that I want people to tell me it's a good film. I just want people to stop saying it's it's useless, it's awful, yeah. and it's the worst film ever made. Because I have seen a lot more films that are worse than Howard the Duck. Yeah, a lot, mm. and and that caveat is, is, is you know that that sorry that that. Uh, you know that carrying that title as the worst film ever made, I just think is just ridiculous. It's it, nowhere near does yeah. it deserve that, especially when you look at the films we've had to look at for the last ten, maybe <laughs> fifteen years. There's been dozens every year that have been worse than Howard the Duck. And yeah. you know, when I when I post it on my page, I'll frequently get a lot of support, but also a lot of people say, "Yeah, worst movie ever." Just completely dismiss it like that, and that's that's the only thing that annoys me now when it comes to Howard. Because when you watch it, especially if you were there in the eighties or you have a memory of what the eighties yeah. was like, shoulder to shoulder with a lot of the other films that were around at the time, you, it, it to me it doesn't feel that far removed. And yes, yeah. of course it's tonally uneven. And when you watch it as an adult, you get that. But at the time, as a kid, every every kid who whose house I went to had you know rented had rented it or, you know, had a copy or a poster or mm. had seen it. And and when you were a kid, it would just be, oh, yeah, how did it? Yeah, it's a great film. And it, it wasn't until probably I got to college in the 90s where one of my best mates, I can't remember why we were talking about it, just said to me, you, you know, that's a terrible film, don't you? And I was, I was just like, no, <laughs> it's, it's not a terrible film. What are you talking uh... about? And, and suddenly I realized that in society it was a terrible film, but I just never could see that. And of course I'm at a point now where I could never be objective yeah. about the film in terms of how I feel about it. Although I can admit that, you know, it, the, in the, in the execution, it's not a great film, but even then I just think, well, 
I think the actors commit to it completely. Yeah. I think the lengths they went to for authenticity, so like getting Thomas Dolby to write the rock songs, getting the band mm. put together, getting them trained, Leah Thompson playing the guitar, singing that, mm-hmm. that great power yeah. rock vibe to it. James Barry doing the, the, is it James Barry or Barry James? Whichever way, uh, doing the, the score. So they actually, <laughs> if you listen to the score, which I have, it's actually an extremely good score. Um, and then obviously the ILM special effects, which at the time were fantastic and still, you know, the lightning animation still looks great. So visually and aesthetically, it's a great 80s movie. Yeah. And I guess it's, 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 it's when people don't acknowledge what it did well. And, you know, that part of the films, which, which is good that I get kind of a bit flustered with. So I don't mind people yeah. telling me, uh, yeah, it was all right. That's fine. But when people just go, yeah, worst movie ever, that's when I kind of just think, uh, I hate that because they're just, it's just like they've heard it somewhere and they just say it without actually. Yeah, that's what I, yeah. I'm guessing that was because, you know, reading a few um, articles about it and, you know, talking about the time that it was released and how it was received and everything, it seemed like it was, you know, an easy target and then yeah. people went hard on it and then that sort of it just cemented its legacy. Oh, that's the worst film. And it swept that's the, the, worst film of all it time. Swept the and Razzies. It's stuck. Yeah. Because even – and the Razzies, man, you know, we always – we reference them sometimes because it's kind of funny but also they're a bit all over the place too because these assholes are oh, the Razzies. Oh, there's of good stuff in the Razzies. They – um. They gave worst actor to the six guys and girls involved in the duck. So the puppeteers and the stunt <laughs> woman and and um, the main guy. It's like, man, that's a lot of hard fucking work. First of all, that's yeah. But yeah, yeah and I, I think synchronizing is, that type of puppetry is an absolute skill. Yeah, and I think the problem that you you pointed out is similar to, I think, the issue with the Razzies is that often they're just sort of the easy target things. Like Tom Cruise is, you know, having a bit of a publicity crisis. Let's give him the worst actor in whatever movie he does that. You know, it's a little bit, um, yeah, yeah, I don't know the right word. It's kind of bandwagon-y, although it kind of starts to bandwagon a little bit too. Hasn't hasn't there also been occasions where, a film has been nominated for Oscars and Razzies. And yeah. Razzies, yeah. Yeah, yeah. 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 Well, definitely I'm sure we've has. covered one or two. And actors for the same role, also different roles, but it has happened for the same role. Um, and I think, yeah, you're right. There's there's so much, uh, it's not black and white. Like lots of movies that are deemed bad movies, maybe they have problems, but they also have value. This one has value in all the areas you just mentioned. And the one that you reminded me of that I forgot to say was, was, at the end, you know, he gets treated like shit throughout the whole movie and he ends up saving Earth. And Leah Thompson yeah. says to him, this world didn't treat you very good, but you saved it. And I was like, fuck, that's yeah. nice. That was like a real nice way yeah. to yeah. bring it all together. Maybe not all together. Maybe didn't bring it all together. But it was, yeah. again, it's traces of greatness um, that maybe gets muddied with some of the other stuff. But, yeah, aesthetically yeah. it's got that beautiful 80s aesthetic that, all three of us love at least. And um yeah. and yeah, I didn't go as deep on the music stuff, but I did come across that like a lot of effort went into that. They act, they basically created Cherry Bomb the band. Yeah. And um, yeah, they they you know, they recorded all the songs themselves. They had yeah. studio sessions. Um again, you can buy the double album with the score for the film and the rock songs. And yeah, actually right. Hunger City, if you listen to that, just find a copy of that and just listen to it. It's actually a great little power rock number. Yeah. Remove it from the film completely. Just just, just detach yeah. it and just listen to it for what it is. And it is a great little 
it's a great little uh, song. The, the, the you know the uh, the lyrical content, the way Lear executes it, and the musicality. It's really good. It's a great little eighties track, and I like that authenticity of the film. Yeah, it's got her, her band member uh, Vanessa from Hanging with Mr. Cooper. Yeah, he was cool. He was a cool guy, and she was kind of the babe. He was it. so cool. At least I thought so. She was a babe. Yeah, she was a babe. <laughs> um, I don't know if I have much else to say on this one. Do you guys have any other burning topics to address? Uh, Leah, Leah Thompson was she's pretty hot. Yeah. <laughs> Unavoidable, she's, yeah. She's yeah. pretty great. I like her. Yeah, she's got a real presence. Pro- probably a really interesting role to be seen in after Back to the Future because, like you said, yeah, she's kind of obviously portrayed as kind of dowdy and down and out, down and out as his mother, and then she's kind of shy and retiring as like her high school self. So yeah. seeing her then a year later in a role like this, where she's just really extroverted and uh, yeah. Yeah, it certainly was definitely an element that, that made it stand out to me when I was a kid. Yeah. Yeah, I bet. She was kind of under the radar for me as a kid because I me think too. a bit like you're saying how the, the the mind of a child works is I think in watching Back to the Future, I never realised she was, she was hot because she was the mum and so my brain just yeah. thought she was 45. Yeah, yeah shut off. <laughs> Even though yeah. she's literally a teenager, like yeah. or 20 or something, but – it's funny, isn't it? And it wasn't really until probably watching it for the podcast with fresh adult perverted eyes <laughs> I realised, oh, she's a babe. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And she's gone on to to have quite a career behind the behind the cameras. Oh, really? First class director. Really? Mm, ah. Yes. On TV. Yeah, oh, mostly. Yeah. Um, what has she done? Like, capture it here somewhere. Ah, oh, it's gone. She's done a bunch of things. Mm. She's very active. And Tim Robbins was awesome. I like young Tim. I like Tim Robbins. But um, you did commit to this, didn't you? You went all in. Man, good on him. <laughs> good on him. I appreciated that when it just kept up. He kept that intensity up. I was like, yeah, I, I respect that. I genuinely feel like if you're giving it, you're, if you're really committed, it's not embarrassing. It's like being a yeah. bad dancer. You're not a bad dancer if you commit to whatever it is you're vibing. Mm. You know that's yes, yeah. I mean, you yes could be a, you could be technically bad, <laughs> but you know you're having a good time. Tell that to Elaine Bennis. <laughs> that did pop into my head as I said it. Yeah. <laughs> All right, should we just get into our final final verdict then? Yeah, let's do it. I don't know what to say, really. I don't remember asking you a goddamn thing. I am the law. I'd like an answer to the question, Judge. I want to have them answered immediately. You can't handle the truth. What are you waiting for? Ah! Say what again. Say what again. I dare you. Nothing further. Your Honor. And that's all I have to say about that. For me, I actually... I usually try and come up with a final thought and I don't know, I couldn't come up with one. But I remembered something that I did read. I think it was on the SBS website. I don't know. If I was, I've been Googling things about Howard the Duck. But um, someone that wrote an article about it there said, Howard the Duck may not be a laugh riot, but it's deeply strange in a way that's nevertheless uh, that's never less than interesting. Which I think is kind of where I land on it. It's just I'm fascinated by that's this fair. thing yeah, existing. Fair. I'm fascinated by a lot of the things that are in it, the different elements. Yeah. Um, 
from a from a actual objective, is it a good capital F film? I don't I don't know, but I, I'm fascinated watching it. I'm intrigued. <laughs> I, I'm it's yeah. a it's a fascinating cultural. It's artifact. certainly not boring. Yeah. Well, some parts this. <laughs> but overall, no, it's not boring. Yeah, how about you, Greg? Yeah, I, look, I, I definitely appreciated it more when I understood the context a bit better. Yeah. So my, is it a rewatch? I think it's um, it's got an interesting place in history, and yeah, it's not a it's if as long as you know what you're getting into. Yeah. Dive, dive on in. Yeah. Dive on in. Duck dive, duck dive on in. Hey, there you go. <laughs> Dan, any final thoughts? I, th- I think um, I think I've probably said everything <laughs> I can about it. It will be interesting if if Marvel rehash it in any way. It will be interesting then whatever new audience that brings to the film, what their perspective on the film actually is. Yeah. Because I think mm. a lot of the bad criticisms that kind of get carried over and hung over are from the adults that watched it at the time that yeah. obviously saw the things we talked about, the, the huge appropriate elements mixed in with the family friendly ones uh, and the the way that affects the pacing but in retrospective viewing someone that's never heard that that's watched all kinds of superhero movies or whatever their poison is and then comes back and watches it will that same philosophy that yes that film absolutely sucks or will it be like what we've kind of said here well Yes, it's not a great film, but there's a lot of interesting things in there. I can give it praise for this. I can see what it's influenced. I can see how yeah. it, it, it vibes on the 80s so strongly that if you like the 80s, you have to find something in there that, that just draws that affection out. Mm. And I, I think it'll be interesting to see what happens with the, the whole Howard the Duck character moving forward because mm. undoubtedly if they do something, it will throw more light on the original film. And that can only be a good thing, I think. Yeah. Agreed. Agreed. I think it'll be interesting. It's going to happen. It's funny too because you got things like Deadpool where it's kind of the opposite scenario where Deadpool technically made his first appearance in that Wolverine movie that everyone hated and were just oh, yeah. ultimately offended yeah. by it. and it's almost like they had to they had to retro engineer a way to make it to fix it and and bring in yeah bring him in properly whereas in this one I mean, there's some people that think it's the worst movie ever, but it's generally for – it has fans. The original appearance mm. of Deadpool does not have fans. So it, I think there will yes, be some sort of – I think there will be some sort of respect paid to this movie if there ever is a new one made. In Yeah. In uh, I, Another thing I always say in this podcast is I like a big – I'd rather watch a big swing and a miss than something that's cookie cutter, same old shit. And this is mm-hmm. definitely a big swing and a miss. So mm-hmm. it's it's always fascinating. Excellent to watch. philosophy. And yes. I think um I think he I think fans would probably see it that way too. Yes. I think I agree with that. Um we have our little checklist of um of cultural relevancy tests to go through. And I think they're all pretty easy ones this time around. Did Simpsons do it? I don't believe Simpsons have done any Howard the Duck. Jokes, I couldn't find any. Not that I've seen. No. Um, porn parody, maybe. I Googled it and <laughs> it got a bit weird and I just aborted. <laughs> Abort. I can only imagine the dark places that took you yeah, to. Yeah, so I just aborted. I, I think there is, um, but it's a rabbit hole. I'm gonna go, let's go with yes. Yeah. So, someone wanted to see that scene finished basically. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 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 
Yeah. <laughs> um, Bechdel test, no. So yes, yes. Well, I just thought the cherry the cherry bombs were discussing Howard in the um, discussing in the a man. Room. He's not a man. He's a duck. <laughs> A male duck. Uh, okay, I maybe duck we'll, mate. Look, I think it's one of those areas too where it's not highly offensive in any way towards women, is it? Except he tries to bite that lady's ass at some point. That's maybe the only <laughs> <thing. laughs> that kind of came out of nowhere too, didn't it? Yeah, she she was a bit of a bitch. <laughs> yeah. Um, special effects. I'd give it a pass. I think it's yeah, yeah. Of if course. It, the, the duck suit's probably the most dated, but. For me, that's part of the charm. Um, and we know there's someone in there sweating. Yeah, exactly. The hard work behind it. Working hard. Yeah. yeah. And, yeah, on that note. Like a duck on the surface, it looks fine, but below someone's pedaling. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> below the water. Yeah, exactly. It's a, it's a, I want to see I want to see the bloopers where he's walking into walls and shit because he can't see anything. Oh, that would be great. Just a duck. Yeah, it would be hilarious. Must happen. Yeah. And I think it, they just left him in the film. <laughs> yeah, <I would>. <laughs> <laughs> More jokes. Um, on that note, Ed Gale, the guy in the suit, he's my MVP for the movie because, man, that's commitment yeah. and well executed. Yes. Yeah, I can't disagree with that. Maybe you can't even hear, I don't know, but he's basically blind and mute and acting in a yeah. suit. In that steamy Cleveland weather. <laughs> Cleveland. I have no idea the Cleveland I like how it says Cleveland. Cleveland. <laughs> yeah, that was pretty good. <laughs> All right. Well, um, friends of the show, if you're not already, make sure you're following Movieverse on Instagram um, as well as Goodbye Duck World if you're a fan of Howard the Duck. <laughs> oh, thanks um, for dropping that one in there. What are your other Instagram handles? You've got a few, don't you? you got what's the um, Police yeah, there's, Academy there's one? Yeah, Showdown in Little Tokyo and there's Police Academy Movies. There's there's also uh, Empire Records, but I, I don't get the oh, time to do much with that one. one. Ah, yeah. yeah, ironically, that has the most engagement. Of, oh, really? Yeah, yeah. Empire Records has the most engagement from people that worked on the movie, um, who will actually, you know, open to chat on DMs or send me things or whatever else. Oh, um, cool. But yeah, it, it's just it. It's been a struggle. Uh, obviously, you know how hard it is sometimes to get your you know follower base interactive and and growing, and that just it, it's just just doesn't go anywhere. So I put the energy into the Police Academy one. Obviously, Movieverse is my main one, and Showdown, which has the most um, subscribers, uh, are really the main ones. But yeah, nice. Movieverse is my main hub. Yeah, that's uh, the one that started all the others. So on we're. What are we doing on Movieverse at the moment? Because we talked about the polls earlier. Are we doing 90s TV show, greatest 90s TV show? Yeah. What have we, we, can you give us a little um, little teaser for what um, who versus who have we got coming up this week? Do you know what? I haven't set the brackets for next Ooh. week, or if I have, I can't remember them. And this will also <laughs> come out the next week, next next week. Oh, yes. It'll be too. It'll be the future. We always forget this and we talk about really topical things and then it comes out like yeah. over a week later <laughs> and it seems like... Yeah, it must be easy to do. <laughs> yeah. All right, friends of the show, what are we doing next week? Oh, next week we're starting um, our our Halloween... I know we haven't come up with a catchy name for it yet, but scary, spooky movies for the month of October. Spectacular. That sounds good. Yeah. We've got, we got four... Scary movies. 
<laughs> semi-spectacular horror-themed ish. It's catchy. Rolls I like off the it. Tongue. Yeah, yeah. All right, I'll mock yeah. something up for the gram. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, good luck with that. So uh, we've got yeah, Devil's Advocate. Devil's Advocate with um oh Triado and yeah Pacino and yeah Charlie's Theron. followed yeah. by that's a good the Adams that is, family. Guys. Adam's family. Followed by Friday the 13th. Mm-hmm. Followed by Halloween 2 coming out. The, Ooh, that'll be dear. the final one <laughs> in line with Halloween. Dun, 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 dun. Yeah. Wow, that's that's quite a project coming up for you guys. Then. Yeah. Yeah, we try not to go all slashes, you know, trying to keep it light with Adam's yeah. family and that kind of thing um, and then go real dark towards the end. Mm. Yeah. Enjoy. I appreciate you uh, guys having me on the show. It's oh, been a real mate, privilege thank for you. me to talk to you ah, both. We'll have to have um, you back again, maybe for Empire Records or yeah, something down the track. To. Definitely. It's been a pleasure, mate. Thank you so much for joining us. Yeah, thanks for having me again. All right, friends of the show, we'll um, yeah, we'll see you next week, guys. Until then, um, 